Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And we've got our defensive undrafted free agent episode. we got five players to go to. we got to talk Dexter Lawrence contract extension. Big man got his big money. And we had rookie camp over the weekend, which will clean up a couple little things from that. Justin, how are you? It feels like we're this is the final exam before we're off for summer. Yeah, it really does, man. But I will say... Despite all these other sports going on, it was a crazy sports weekend. You know, obviously the Kentucky Derby, there was some good UFC stuff going on. The Devils are back, which is fun. The Knicks are trying to hang on. Ross Chastain punched a guy in the face, so NASCAR's back. But through everything going on, Bobby, exciting time for sports, New York sports, whatever. The Giants have still captivated my attention because, like, even through this UDFA class, like, there are maybe, I think, two total guys through this UDFA class that I'm like, meh, I'm not I'm not totally pumped watching camp. But really, all these guys, maybe besides two, one on offense, one on defense, I'm really excited to at least watch them in camp and see how they do. And obviously, still just very excited about this draft class, and especially these day three picks, seeing how they're going to do in camp. So the Giants have my full attention, and they have my full excitement, despite us having to basically get through an entire summer where we can even start to live stream these training camp practices. How are you? I'm good. You know, rookie camp was fun. And with the def- with the defensive UDFAs, I think it's a little bit of a different approach than the offense. I mean, even draft where it's like, these guys aren't the most athletic, but they're fundamentally sound. Like four mm. out of these five guys, you know, like fall into the category of like, hey, athleticism may hold them back a little bit, but they know how to play their position. They, they are fundamentally sound. They are not making mistakes. And they fit what you want to do. So before we get into all of this, Justin, this episode is brought to you by a special person, Jack Allsop. Reminds me of Mike Allstock. Justin, who is Jack? Jack is the newest member of arguably the best community of Giants fans out there. And that's our Patreon. Talking Giants Patreon. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants for $2 a month. Plus some other tiers, you get to hang out with us live while we're recording the shows. There's about 20 people in our chat right now as we're talking about defensive UDFAs. Just kind of talking Giants, talking what we're planning on doing. We like to talk about like our content stuff and what we have coming up and you know throwing ideas out to our Patreon members as well. Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers in the mail. And Just got a caught little... up on all the stickers, so that they'll be the, they'll be to everyone who doesn't have them yet should have them back on Friday. Unless you sent me a wrong address, which happens... Tough. More often you do think. Don't send Bobby a wrong address. And then there's a couple shirt raffles, um, you know, a couple times a month too. Thanks to our Patreon members. Appreciate you. All right, Justin. The Giants extended Dexter Lawrence. 2019 class. Four out of uh nine picks have been uh been been re-signed with O'Shea Jones, Daniel Jones, Darius Slayton, and Dexter Lawrence. Uh Julian Love, what could have been. But they extend uh Dexter Lawrence four years, ninety million dollars with sixty million dollars guaranteed. This is the exact same co- contract that they're on Payne got, same agent too, by the way. And then it's uh, $22.5 million average annual value, which is, this, again, same as Deron Payne, and it's $1 million less than Jeff Simmons on an average annual value basis, uh, but the same guaranteed money, which is fair. Jeff Simmons has, Dexter Lawrence had a better season than De- Jeff Simmons this year, but Jeff Simmons has been better from start to finish from their rookie season. So it makes sense, and I'm glad that Dex didn't hold because Dex could have probably taken this further and further and, and gotten, you know, the Jeff Simmons contract or maybe even a, a tick more if he really wanted to. But so glad he, uh, glad he got, we got this done before we went into OTAs and stuff, Justin. And it's awesome to extend an all pro defensive tackle. The curse is over for New York Giants. We are keeping a <laughs> defensive tackle. Yeah. We've been known as D tackle you, yet we have never kept the defensive tackles that we've actually 
formed up throughout their rookie years on their rookie contracts. So um, good time to decide to extend one of those guys too, because Dexter Lawrence isn't just one of those guys kind of like a Dalvin Tomlinson where you're good, but maybe you're not, you're not like top five in your position. And man, did Dexter Lawrence have that season last year? Obviously, um, you know, just some of his major stats, but some of his positional rankings, uh, he had seven and a half sacks that was tied for seventh among those interior defense alignment, uh, 28, in QB, 28 QB hits, that was third among interior defense alignment. 36 pressures, according to Pro Football Reference, that was second. I love the advanced stats, especially of QB hits and pressures. Um, that tells me that hopefully more sacks will continue to come next year. You know, the, the fact that he's getting those QB hits, he's getting those pressures at the third and the second highest rates, respectively. And then also, we saw what happens when Dexter Lawrence was off the field, how the how bad the running defense was. When Dexter Lawrence was off the field, 108 rushes, 741 yards, 6.86 yards per carry. So Dexter Lawrence being on the field is very, very important. Um, I liked how he said that you know, he wasn't looking to reset the market. He just wanted to be respected. He wanted to be respected as a player in this league. I think this contract does that. He gets his guaranteed money, um, and the dude's going to be a giant for the next couple of years, and I love that. Yeah, I mean, when you combine all, you know, sacks, QB hits, and pressures together, he was only second to Chris Jones for defensive tackles, who took second in defensive player of the year voting this year. Obviously got him an all-pro season. And I remember our player profile uh, episode on him in training camp, Justin, yep. where we said, Dexter Lawrence has been a good player for the New York Giants, but we want to see that next step. Like, this is the age that defensive tackles go from good to taking that next step, and boy, did he. Where, again, it wasn't just like, yeah, you watch him on film, he's good. It's like, yeah, he's good on film. He was great on film this year. And, again, if you play great, the numbers will will come, and the numbers came for Dexter Lawrence this year. Um, the move to nose tackle, Andre Patterson being his coach, yeah, really, really did a lot. So Started to use the, his hands more. Yeah, so we don't have the year-by-year -year numbers for Dexter Lawrence right now, um, but the Giants had $1.8 million in cap space. Going into uh, going into rookie camp before this Dexter Lawrence contract happened, they needed about three million dollars to sign their class. So this should free it up for the draft class. All the day three picks have been signed. Uh, uh, Banks, Smiths, and, and Hyatt haven't been signed yet. Uh, but this should free it up. My question is: When I'm surprised the details haven't come came out yet. Three days later, but I'm excited to see if it's enough to where you don't got to touch Leonard Williams' contract now. Uh, because if you create, you need about five million dollars of cap space to get through the season. If you can get it to right now, where it's three and a half to four mil, and then darn, if you cut Darnay Holmes, uh, you can get to where you don't need to touch Leonard Williams' contract, and he already has void money on that. Yeah, well, the Leonard Williams thing is a whole different topic, I guess. Um, I think the longer that Leonard Williams doesn't go extended, the Giants continue to get more leverage, maybe. You know, the the closer that he becomes a free agent, you know, this is not the same ties as Gettleman had with the bad trade, and you got to make it worth it, right? So, um, I would let I would, I want to extend Leonard Williams because he's a good football player. Um, but if they do go in with if if it is their plan to move on from Leonard Williams at the end of this year, I am not I am not panicking. So very glad to have Dexter Lawrence uh, staying staying in blue. Need him. Was good to, and we went from never resigning any Giants draft picks to a summer of like five or six, right? With you know Saquon, I guess Saquon doesn't technically count, but if they get something done, that counts. But that 2019 class was able, you know, to to extend one where we the last time we had done that before was Sterling Shepard, and the last time before that was Odell Beckham Jr. So. It's amazing what happens when you have coaching and continuity in a front office together. Amazing rookie camp was this past weekend uh nothing major that came out but a conversation was the john michael smith's the dead snap which if you weren't on social media over friday and saturday which i don't blame you uh is the the type of snap where john michael smith say he snaps it by holding it to the top of the ball instead of like holding it like you throw a football and make it spiral which it increases accuracy and it allows you to get to use your hands quicker a lot of the high schoolers and college players like use it now, but you don't see a lot of NFL players use it. No, almost no NFL players use it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they do change it because John Michael Smith did use the the spiral snap at the senior bowl. And we obviously saw him play really well uh, down there. And 
it's more QB friendly. It, it, it gets back there quicker. But here's the thing is where I would rather just let him stay with it, Justin, because once you get like like you said, you mentioned high schoolers, early college guys where I think it makes a difference. Once you're like the best of the best at your craft, I don't think it, I don't think John Michael Smith is losing too much velocity on his snaps compared to high schoolers when you're like, all right, let's do the dead ball snap because you're struggling with accuracy. Uh, because it does increase accuracy, but it loses velocity. But I think when you're at the best of the best NFL type players, I think it's just more of what you're comfortable with. And John Michael Smith's hand usage is a, a big, big part of his game. And I don't really want to mess with that. But if it does mess with Daniel Jones enough, we'll see. But if they were going to change it, I think the time to start changing it would have been rookie camp, right? Like why let him go through rookie camp, be comfortable with it and then change it once you get the OTA. So it'll be interesting to see if Bobby Johnson and co. let him let him stick with it. Yeah. So this is a dumb question, and I played football, so I should know this. So when you're under center, you're snapping it the conventional way, right? Because you, you need to turn the football to the way the quarterback can handle it, right? Yes. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's a matter of what does Daniel Jones prefer, and that, that's what JMS said, that they're going to have that conversation. Um Whatever, what I'm with, like whatever he's comfortable with, and then also what's important too is if you can simultaneously snap the ball and move your feet at the same time. It sounds stupid, but I think for centers that's extremely important. Like you need, like your first step needs to be happening as the ball is being snapped. Those are not two separate movements. That is one movement. Um, so whatever he's comfortable with doing, and he, it's because he is a career long center that I get maybe this is a conversation versus somebody who has never snapped the ball before or is a center convert, you know, they would probably just be doing it the traditional way that NFL players have been doing for, you know, basically since centers have been a thing. Yeah. And again, you don't really see it in the pros. Like all Daniel Jones, four centers that he's had have all done the traditional way. I mean, almost everyone in the NFL does traditional way. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Um, I think it was just a fun topic for rookie camp when you're when you're. Why not? For to- what else is there to talk when you're about? For topics, I will say because the Giants had a lot of tryout guys. I feel sad for all the tryout guys when it's like you go to this, you put it in your all, and it's like for the most part, your football career is probably over. Um, I actually I gave them a shout. I like I gave tag someone a shout out post, yeah. and it was like you can you can feel if like they like couple gave us shout outs like appreciate the support um and a couple like other reached out like you can feel the pain in their and their and their texts because it's like you kind of realize it's you dedicate your whole life to this and it's coming towards an end obviously you can do usfl xfl type stuff like cfl so it's not it's not totally over but like the dream of being an nfl player slowly dies so rookie camp as much as i enjoy it the end of it does make me very sad yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with, you know, trimming a roster down from 90 to 53. I mean, I think the closest that we get is hard knocks. And even just seeing those stories, it's like, shit, this this really does suck. And, you know, now that, you know, we're, we're forming a little bit more of a popularity, I can imagine, you know, getting tagged by a page that has like, oh, 40,000 followers. This is pretty cool. And, you know, it's been, it's been cool to form like even just a little bit of a like follow connection with some of these guys. Um, and obviously they shoot you some messages too. So that's been cool, but yeah, it's screwed up, man. <laughs> it's, I know. It's, it's like, I wish up. we could carry 150 people into training camp. Yeah. Um, why not? But why not? Obviously, that would a lot of guys sitting around. If you what do you did think that. the, what do you think the like philosophical differences? This is a really knee deep in depth niche question, but like judges second year, they had nine guys. In like rookie minicamp, right? Uh, they had like less. They had like five tryouts. They had their six draft picks, and then the five guys that were eligible, and then they had Kelvin Benjamin and Corey Clements as vet tryouts. So they had less than twenty people there. But Dable had like ninety last year, and then there was what was there seventy four this year? Yeah, I I like it. Um, I like having more. Like, why not bring these guys in? Uh, and it's very like. Brian Dable's not watching all of these guys. Like no. it's very much put in the hands of the position coach. I think it's good experience for the position coaches to evaluate talent and stuff. And like what they do now is they're going to go and like Brian Dable will talk with the position coaches. They'll watch the tape of the practices, even though they're very light and be like, Hey, was there anybody that stood out to you? And they'll go take second looks on these guys and then see like, Hey, maybe this is a guy where we'll cut our 90th guy on the roster 
and bring him in, you know, and it happened last year with Jordan Mosley, the safety out of Maryland. And then obviously Ryder Anderson, who was playing in the playoffs, was on the 53 man roster and playing in the playoffs where again, a guy who was an outside linebacker convert to five technique and they saw something they liked in him and made his way to the 53 man roster. Eventually, obviously the defensive line group was really bad and injuries happened. So, but again, you'd rather have Ryder Anderson than whoever else they would have had, yeah. you know, had on the roster at that point. So uh, I, I like the idea of having a lot of guys there. You're, you're only installing a few plays. You're just basically seeing how these guys move and, and interact yeah. with the coaching staff. And they're in the film room. Like I, I love the idea of it. And if you're next to other people, it's a better chance for one to stand out compared to the rest. Uh, whether it's again, being attentive in the film room um, relationships with the coaching staff and, and, picking their brain and stuff so i i love the idea of having a lot of the guys there like why not like i don't i don't know why judge it was very weird that year when judge there was rookie camp and you see the photos from it and it's like it's an empty practice field yeah and tony's uh practicing with one shoe isn't that crazy that we went through that and yeah it's like man eh, we'll see like ignore the signs ignore the signs yeah. ignore the signs be up be optimistic there the more the more that we do this you, know, you you just said the same you know you said the same thing about this draft season about trusting your gut if something feels wrong and if a guy feels like maybe he's an asshole maybe trust your gut that he's an asshole and he's not any and there's something up you know obviously the first week of Tony's shoe being off was not the time to doubt that but it was the first sign of many signs to come that that guy just wasn't gonna work out but this coaching staff is crossing their T's they're dotting their eyes they're improving themselves while working to improve others how do you like that um let's do it let's talk about these udfas first this episode is brought to you by bird dogs new sponsor alert new sponsor alert and honestly this is about as good as a sponsor as you can get here's the main thing about bird dogs guys they are the best shorts and pants you can look for they are comfortable and they look good and shorts, man, we're, we're coming up on training camp season. You got to have a good pair of shorts. You're going to be in the sun during the day. A good pair of shorts is very, very important. Or if you're like, hey, I'm not a shorts guy, well, they have pants too. If you like to go out, you know, on the golf course, if that's your thing, even though it shouldn't be, uh, you, they, you can wear them to work going out with friends in the summer. Like it's the summer. What you wear in the summer is the most important time to decide what you wear. True. And Bird Dogs is awesome. Like they have their stretchy fabric, which again is amazing. It makes your legs look good. And again, they're comfier than ever, anything else that you're going to wear. Bird Dogs really is the best. When I when I heard that we were getting a sponsor by them, I was very, very excited. Um, so I'm excited to wear them to training camp, uh, you know, out in the summer. Are we going to match at camp? With our bird dogs? We'll have to alternate days. Actually, yeah, you know what? We'll just match. We got to wear match. different shirts. Different though. colors. Yeah, different color. I mean, again, they do have different colors and stuff. So we'll make sure we don't wear the same colors on the same day. We got to, so we'll plan our outfits we for can do training that. camp. Uh, so click the link in the description to go to birddogs.com. And when you enter promo code Giants, they'll throw in a free Yeti style tumbler with every order. Wow, that's, that's kind of huge. Huge. So again, click the link in the description to go to birddogs.com and make sure you enter the promo code GIANTS. Thank you, Bird Dogs. You'll be glad you did. All right, five UDFAs on defense, Justin. The first one, this guy was draft, uh, graded as someone who would be drafted by a lot of people. It was Habakkuk Baldonado, the edge out of pit. Big edge, though, 6'4", 251 pounds, 33-inch arms. Tested fairly well at the combine, 4'7", 40, 35-inch vertical. Uh, dealt with some injuries this past year. You know, only played nine games, had two sacks and five tackles for a loss. But the year before where he played the full season, he had nine sacks, 12 tackles for a loss. Baldonado is exciting, but at the same time frustrating to me, Justin. Yeah. Because there's so many flashes of good, but you just want to see more consistency and play with more urgency. Because, like, in the run game, he's very strong. He's going to set the edge really well. He's going to be able to disengage. You get him in a good matchup, he's going to be able to disengage and make plays. He can work laterally if you want to throw some run blitzes at guys and jump into gaps and get tackles for a loss that way. Um, strong hands, able to extend. And in the pass rush, you see flashes are really, really good, right? Like there's times where he gets off the line of scrimmage. He's not going to bend around the corner, but he's going to test the corner. He's got the strength to work the inside shoulder. He works pass rush moves, even though they can be a little segmented. But it's just it's so inconsistent with Ball Donato. And 
the hope there is one, you've got the ability, so let's get the consistency out of him. And he is football young, right? Like grew up in Rome, only played real football with against other Americans until his senior year of high school, and then obviously uh, the four years at Pitt. But needs to be better on a down to down basis. But if 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 you asked us of, out of any of these UDFA's, including Bryce Ford Wheaton, which guy can make himself onto a roster and not just simply because guys are injured? Baldonado would probably be that guy. Yeah, I I totally agree. And his 2021 advanced numbers are freaky and and wild too. Um, This is according to PFF that they really do overestimate pressures, but this is what we got to work with. Uh, 48 pressures, 11 sacks, 14 hits, 23 hurries is pretty, pretty darn good. 28 run stops as well. Uh, He's, he's a freak. Um, He's, he's long. uh, He's ripped as well. Um, you know, he is still 23 years old. He'll turn 24 um, during the football season. I have solid lateral movement as well. One arm stem, a chop, swim move. I feel like he has like a few go-to moves. Um, knows how to shed blocks in some various ways. There are some plays where he tosses dudes, tosses dudes. But then also the problem is, is that there are some plays that he doesn't do that. And in general, he plays very high. Uh, yeah, I think very he, high pad level. I think he needs to lower his Which pad level more, and he has a lack of, you know, he has a lack of twitch. He's kind of tight-hipped, and I think because he plays high, he does have a high missed tackle rate, a little bit of a herky-jerky player. Um, with the consistency, Bobby, I want to see more anger out of him. There are plays, especially where he's unblocked, where he'll come in like a bat out of hell. And he'll lay a hit on somebody. But great, you're not going to be unblocked all the time in the NFL. You know, maybe in Wink Martindale's defense, because he can generate all these untouched pressures and and hits and sacks. That may happen every once in a while, but that's not going to be a consistent thing that happens in the NFL. Channel the energy and the anger in which you play at that rate. Channel it on how you approach blocks. Channel it on how you're, you know, you're getting around the edge. Channel it and how you're bull rushing. I feel like he generates a lot of powers from his hips, but I feel like there's a lot of power that's kind of left out there on the field. So um, I, I yeah. agree. That's that's one of the notes I had is like work speed to power more. Like, again, it's awesome that you try and work, use the cross chop and use your hands. Like, I want you to have active hands, but you've got that that power. Right. And you've got decent athleticism where lower your pad level and convert speed to power. Because those are his those are his best pass rush reps yep. is when he does that. So I would like to see him try and work that consistently instead of trying to be Vaughn Miller out on the edge, right? Where you're working the corner, like you don't have the bend. Um that's what I, and again, like it comes down to having more urgency and a better motor, like on a down-to-down basis. Um, because you see you see the ability, right? You see the flashes in the pass rush game. And then you also see in the run game, like he's consistently able to set an edge, which a lot of college edge defenders are not able to do. And guys that get drafted high are not able to do. So you have the size, you've got the strength and athleticism to play the game. We just need to get that consistency and urgency to your game. That like, hey, every, every single rep matters. Uh, and I really hope the coaching staff can unlock that out of this because this guy could challenge to be like the clear-cut fourth ed, ed rusher this season. That's like, where I was going to go if next. He's, even if he got like a slightly tick better than Jihad Ward, which I think is in, is ca- he's capable of, they're not going to put him over this season. But there's no reason for him to not establish himself over O'Shane Zimenez, Ellison Smith, and Timon Fox. There's no reason, especially when those guys are all going to struggle versus the run. You know, like especially Ellison and O'Shane. Uh, uh, Baldonado has it, like has that ability. Like, hey, I can, I, I'll at least come in and play the run for you. And Wink Martindale talked about it in an interview this week with the New York post, like we're going to, we're going to, we're going to work to stop the run this year. We're not going to have what happened to us last year. Obviously that comes with the signings of Ashawn Robinson and Nunez Rochez and, and Okereke is a big part of that, but that also comes with your depth guys. And Baldonado has, again, like I said, out of all the UDFAs and that includes Bryce Ford Wheaton has the best chance to just earn himself a roster spot in the NFL long-term better than anyone else. Yeah, because out of all the positions on the Giants roster, they didn't add anybody to the edge room. Everybody's the same. I mean, they literally brought back O'Shane Zimenez as like an emergency resource. I think that's the, I'm paraphrasing, but Joe Shane was asked about not adding anybody this offseason to the edge room. You know, and he said that we have a few, you know, we have a few different alternatives that we can do to 
add guys to that room for camp, and they re-signed O'Shane, and then obviously, Bol, you know, Boldonado is here for uh, camp, um, and hopefully, I think he's got a shot to to make the team for sure. Now, durability is a question mark with him. Uh, now, obviously, he's not going to be playing a ton in the NFL, um, so hopefully, he's not going to be getting hurt in the NFL, but he did miss most of the 2020 season because of a leg injury and battled a knee injury as a senior November of 2022, and you'll see that he had about half of the of the snaps this year that he had in 2021, which was really his breakout season. Yeah, so Baldona, though, man, like he is someone to not just watch in camp because it's going to be fun watching our new players. Like he is like go He's out there to, and yeah. go out there and win a job on this roster. Like I know everyone loves Bryce Ford Wheaton and stuff. Go check out the film breakdown on him. He's fun, right? Baldono is a guy who's got a shot to go and be an impact player on this team right away. Not impact players like starter, but hey, we missed K- we didn't have Cave on and Aziz the first couple games of the season. Uh so you know, and Aziz has injury history, you know, like or had a really bad injury year last year. So if Aziz goes down. We're left with Kayvon and Jihad Ward as the starters. And after that, you don't have anybody you're confident in. You have two guys, you know, including Jihad Ward, no pass rush value. O'Shane Zimenez is a pass rush specialist who doesn't produce pass rush. <laughs> who is not good, who's not a good pass rusher. Uh, um, and then you have Timon Fox, who rushes with a plan, but he's not a guy you can play on a down-to-down basis. And then Ellerson Smith, who had two pass rushing snaps last year, who gets injured every chance, every time he touches the field. So... But the difference between I mean I would I would obviously put Baldonado over O'Shane Zimenez simply because I think he'll be able to set an edge better than O'Shane Zimenez. But I frankly think you know if I were to put you out there, you would also set a better edge than O'Shane Zimenez as well. Disrespectful. Uh, um, sorry, I think it's the truth. So, I guess my brain just goes to Baldonado or Timon Fox, but I think I would lean, you know, Baldonado because. Just because he's more of a freak and he has more of maybe that NFL frame and NFL strength, whereas Timon Fox, it's not that he doesn't, but I think that's just it's just a referendum of Baldonado being a little bit of a freak. Yeah, right? and Timon Fox, like he he has a better rush plan and stuff like that, but Timon Fox just doesn't have like the great size or athleticism, right? Um, but I mean, I'd rather have Timon Fox out there than Ocean Zimenez as well. But Bald- but again, Baldonado is going to have a chance to make this roster. Um, and rightfully so. All right, next on this list, Toledo linebacker Deontay Johnson. Guess who else was from Toledo? Mr. Irrelevant, Deswan Johnson, Deswan Johnson, Deswan Johnson. Toledo linebacker Deontay Johnson, six foot two, 235 pounds, had over 100 tackles, three sacks, and eight tackles for losses last year. Toledo. Justin, you know what's really refreshing about Deontay? He plays linebacker. He's a linebacker who actually plays linebacker. He's not an oversized safety. He's not, you know, he's he's just a linebacker who actually plays linebacker. But his athleticism is lacking, and he's not going to make a plays because of that. Um, and he's also not like the strongest guy in the world. But he's not going. He's his strength isn't going to put him at an advantage or really a disadvantage. But again, he plays the run right. Like he's he actually works to stack and shed blocks. Um, his hand usage is active. Like he works to deconstruct blocks without having to totally lose gap, uh, lose his gap. Like he plays his gap pretty well. Um, where I think it's like, again, the, you see athleticism issues is not necessarily in the sideline, the sideline stuff, but it's like, he'll start, he'll deconstruct a block, but he struggles to finish the deconstruction of it. Where it's, where it's like, okay, solid job, but not a, a great job. Um, but you go watch him versus Ohio state who had, Three guys drafted in this class with, you know, Whipler, uh, Paris Johnson, and Dewan Jones. And he looked really good in, in the run game versus that team. Uh, and that's with bad talent around him, too. Uh, it's just he kind of lacks the athleticism, and he's not the – for someone who lacks athleticism, he's not just a flat-out thumper either. But he right. works his hands. He's patient in his run fits. You know, he's not going to be – you know, get downhill and shoot gaps like crazy and be out of place. Um but yeah, Deontay. John- I mean, he almost intercepted. He had a, a, a CJ Stroud pass in his hands. He just wasn't able to pull it down, you know. So it's like again for a guy who's not athletic, he's got an understanding of coverage, but just doesn't have really the speed to run with it. Um, and I, I think he picks like he understands stuff, but just show a little more urgency. Like, hey, I, let me cut this off instead of just seeing that it's there and going towards that area. Yeah. Uh, 
So again, and linebacker, Justin, if you were a UDFA linebacker, you should have been had had your agent begging the Giants to to sign you because you got a real opportunity to play. Now with Baldona, we're talking. We talked about like he's he's got the best chance to just earn a roster spot in the NFL. This uh, Deontay Johnson or Troy Brown, the linebacker, these guys have the best chance to play this season because of the Giants' linebacker spot after Bobby Okereke. Yeah, for sure. Um, Deontay Johnson's a fun guy that I'm really excited to see what he does in camp. You can see his eyes working, and you can see that he understands and is reading what is going on around him. He's an instinctual player, and I think that's that's pre-play, and that and that's also during the play. Um, as well that you know he it doesn't feel like he's out of place he knows where he is and he knows where he needs to be which is cool ton of experience and with you know knowing where you need to be he has a ton of experience he's a two-year starter of 800 plus snaps over the last two seasons 10 percent career missed tackle rate um, which isn't the best but it's also not the worst I think he's a sure tackler I think he's a good tackler I think he wraps up and he uses his shoulder which again I think that is a very refreshing thing usually see a lot of guys that are kind of they just wrap up and they don't use their shoulder he shimmies his way to ball carriers and finds space to make plays he's not going to be able to I don't think he's going to be able to handle blocks especially when linemen get their hands on him I think you said that um, wish he were a better athlete for being so undersized you said that Thought he was good at sniffing out screens and passes in the intermediate part of the field. Well, I'm excited to see what Deontay Johnson, uh, how he does during camp. Yeah, so like he's someone who's got to win the point of attack, right? Because yeah. like in a versatile house, they even lined him up on the edge a little bit. It's like if he can win the point of attack, like he's able to use his hands and, and deconstruct blocks. But if he doesn't win that, well, then he struggles. Like he's not going to be great getting off blocks. And again, I always we always have to remind ourselves when we're talking about these players. This is an undrafted free agent episode, right? So we're talking about what these players can do and pass to the roster. Uh so yeah, but again, like I when we talk about the offense players, I thought the defensive UDFA episode is more important because if you ask me what two players out of the UD out of the nine UDFAs play in 2023, my bet would not be Bryce Ford Wheaton as fun as he is. It would be Baldonado and Deontay Johnson, the linebacker out of Toledo, uh, because of Baldonado just ability and and positional need for the Giants and the linebacker. The Giants didn't add a linebacker in the draft. They got one in free agency in Bobby Okereke. After that, you have Michael McFadden, who didn't look very good as a rookie, as a rookie. But again, Michael McFadden is not some like NFL pedigree athlete either, right? Darian Beavers, who played solid in a preseason game, but coming off of a season long injury. Yeah, an ACL injury was the last guy they picked in the 10 man draft class. And Jared Davis, who first round pick, but the Lions, whose run defense was horrible, didn't even want to put this guy on the active roster. Uh, so Jared Davis might be the best option right now. But and this is a position where injuries happen too, right? Like we, yes, linebacker depth is tested every single year. Every like the only year where linebacker depth wasn't tested was 2020 Blake Martinez and that was the year where they decided to start Devonte Downs for some god-awful reason and then Tay Crowder came in but even then Tay Crowder got injured like a couple of games after he came in um so every single year that linebacker depth is tested uh and again Tay Crowder started the year you know camping on the third team so uh so we'll see with Deontay Johnson again not a great athlete like he's he does not move very well but he understands the run game which is a big part of it and linebacker like safety is a position where you can be fast but you don't play fast Deontay Johnson's patient and he knows how to take on blocks and fit in the run game uh he's got a real chance to to play at some point in his NFL career for the Giants I hope he's confident in camp because I do think like if if NFL sized offensive linemen get their hands on him you know this isn't going to be Toledo and even you know the linemen that he would face at Toledo which they're not the biggest and they're not the strongest especially compared to NFL guys when they got their hands on him, the play was over. So I hope that he plays with that confidence and he plays with those instincts that he had at Toledo. I hope he comes in a camp and he plays with that and he's not hesitant and he's not scared. Um, because if he is, then it may look may look a little bit rough. But if he's confident, he's playing with those instincts and he trusts it, then he's going to have a fun camp. Yeah. All right. Next on this list, Michigan corner. Jamon Green, 
six foot one, 183 pounds, so nice size. Had horrible testing, right, at his pro day. I guess 40 was a four, five, two. That wouldn't have been the worst at the combine for corners, but it would have been in the bottom five. His shuttle is a four, five, one. His shuttle and his 40 time are identical. That's bad. His three cone drills, seven, one, three. Those both have been the worst of the combine by a decent, decent margin. But like we said, the top of the show, despite his athleticism, knows how to play corner and yep. also knows how to play press man coverage. The guy's physical, right? And I think maybe there could be a move to nickel because of lack of athleticism, right? But again, you're bringing a guy in the camp who's comfortable playing with what the Giants want to do. You know, and you could protect him in a cover three scheme, which when Wink Martindale does run zone uh, in his ideal world, it's cover three. And we're running cover three and cover one. Um, and again, that athleticism really shows up. But or sorry, that press command coverage really shows up. But the athleticism shows up, too, in a bad way. Like it can hold him back. Um, but he's re- like really disruptive jams at the line of scrimmage. Right. And he like has good footwork and he's technical sound. So he's able to match a mirror releases really well. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, again, speed is an issue when he's in off coverage. Like he's got to bail early because of that. And then he's going to lose his hips. He's going to lose leverage. Um, and there's times where it's like, he does a great job playing, like covering the sideline. He'll, fu- he will press, he'll funnel, but he can still, he'll still get beat deep. Right. So with Jamon Green, like he's that athleticism is going to hold him back from having a really good NFL career, but he knows how to play corner. He knows how to play press man. And if we had some real injury issues, you could come in there, play more cover three, protect him with the safety and have him disrupt at the line of scrimmage. And you're going to have those types of like teams are going to when you're playing the Giants and Wink Martindale actually talked about this in an interview when they're talking about like cave on have 10 sacks this year and he's never had a 10 sack guy on his defense is like well it's hard to get when teams are teams know when they're playing us that we are going to beat protections we're going to be sending pressure so they're getting the ball out quicker so you get jamon green someone who could be disruptive at the line of scrimmage with those jams good footwork to not lose the rep in the beginning but down the field it's where he's going to struggle so you could protect him I just went on like a ten minute rant on Jamal Green. No, but hey, uh, I think I think he may be worth it a little bit because he's certainly certainly an interesting player. Where you look at the athleticism testing and it's like bad, but then you watch the and you watch what he does on film and it's like you know this this dude stays stride for stride with guys. You know he he stays with receivers in phase. I think that's kind of like a a scouting phrase, and I felt like using it because he just stays in phase with the development of routes and, and how they run, especially when they're by the sideline. Um, you know, I knew doing my work on DJ Turner that Michigan ran a man coverage heavy scheme. And I was glad to see that the Giants signed an outside corner from Michigan, knowing that they ran a lot of man coverage. He has 31 inch arms. Um, he sticks to receivers and can cap routes with his length. Um, quick moves, comeback, you know, comeback routes and change of direction stuff can give him problems with the... Like- with the he got no pounce out of his back pedal. Yeah. Um, he, I don't think he takes on or avoids blocks very well. He struggles with blocks. I keep on interrupting you, but he really does struggle with blocks. Six career pass breakups and one career inter- interception, so not a lot of ball production. He's not the most fluid mover, but for a UDFA corner, Green is a guy that when I, I say he excites me because he's a UDFA corner, that, hey, this guy is – not going to be just a total liability in the fourth preseason game <laughs> you know, of the year because he could play man coverage and I think he could stick with guys. Remember last year how I think covering, you know, our, our quarterbacks were so bad in camp because they couldn't make a play on the football. Now it would be interesting to see if Green can make a play on the football, you know, in, in like a 1v1 contested catch situation that, you, that you're going to see in the third and the fourth quarter of a preseason game because that's when Green's going to play. Um, so that'll be interesting. But I think he's going to stay in phase, and I think he's going to do a go- do a good job blanketing guys. And because of his athleticism, and his, you like he he's going to face guard right because like I I can't lose this guy if I look back at the quarterback I I'm, I don't have the speed to recover if I if I lose a step on this guy. Um, so it it's it's hard to find like what role he could have in the NFL because of that athleticism issues because like even at nickel corner you're going to see some of that stuff and you're going to get less ability to press guys up. Um, because obviously, you know, slots are, you're, they're going to get more free releases. Um, 
So it, it's he's very a very specific player where it's like, hey, he's comfortable in press man. He's technically sound. He could jam guys up and really disrupt it. Um, and you know, you saw that shows up on film. You know, he had like a really nice third and eight pass breakup versus TCU in the playoff uh, on on a curl route. Um, you know, there's versus Penn State, they threw at him twice in a row, and he got really physical with guys and was able to get uh, uh, pass breakups on both those passes. Um, so it's it's just when when he does give up a play, he gives up a play. Right. Like his yards per catch allowed are a lot. You know, they're almost almost, you know, 13 to 15 yards the last couple of years on yards per catch. So he, he's a very specific player, but he knows how to play corner. And I think that puts some trust into the coaching staff. And when they're looking for their UDFAs this season, you're not going to have the most talented guys in the world as UDFAs. Right. But you want to get guys who if you do have to throw them in there in a pinch, they're going to know how to play football. For sure. Bobby Skinner. We're getting so excited for football, but man, it's still so far away. And I don't know how I'm going to be able to cope with it. I don't know how I'm going to be able to cope with it. But you know what? Today's sponsor gives me a little bit of an idea because this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you. But I want you to take a moment of what you need for yourself. We spend all of our time giving. It can, leave, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. But therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep surrounding others without leaving yourself behind. Don't leave yourself behind. Push yourself up and elevate yourself. That's right. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash talking giants today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash talking giants. You'll be glad you did, BetterHelp. You'll be glad you did. All right, next guy on this list, Troy Brown. Not the wide receiver who played corner for the Patriots, too. The linebacker from Ole Mississippi. Six foot, 223 pounds. Um, again, an undersized linebacker, right? Uh, you know, Deontay Johnson was 6'3, 236. This guy is, you know, lighter and, and a few inches shorter. Um, I'll be honest, with Troy Brown, it's hard to see it because he just plays linebacker in a very weird way. Like he only works to slip blocks, which again, he slipping blocks is good, but he doesn't have any stack and shed ability at all. And I'll be honest, the weirdest thing I saw about his game is it's one thing to not be a good tackler. It's another thing to be like two, like in the a gap one yard past the line of scrimmage. And he dives at people's ankles. That's just what he does. He just doesn't tackle guys straight up. Like I, I understand, but like he in the hole will just shoot at guys' ankles, and he's if he does wrap guys up, he doesn't have the strength to bring them down. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen at the linebacker position, um, but he can have success, you know, getting downhill, shooting gaps. But at the same time, with that, he's going to fit in the run back game badly. He's going to be either late or out of place. Um, but he is good. He is solid in coverage, right? Like he gets his, he reads QB's eyes and jumps to get in the lanes. Gets his hands on passes. Had a lot of passes, uh, passes defended this past season. Like good feel passing off coverage. He can carry the vertical from the middle if you're running like a, in some Tampa two stuff. And and man coverage, he's got solid ability and he'll like actually fight back for inside leverage. And there's no fear in his game as a coverage wise. But it, at the end of the day, to play linebacker, you got to be able to take on blocks and tackle. And those are. That's where he struggles a lot. He just doesn't take on blocks. Yeah. He'll, he'll he, just like, dive. He he literally just – every block is like, I'm trying to slip it, which is like, hey, if you can slip a block quickly, awesome. But then you will put yourself out of gap when you're trying to undercut it when they get an angle on you, and that's going to lead to big runs. Yeah, so, I mean, he the, the way that I'm able to spin that, he's a patient player because he does let the blocks kind of come to him. He's a patient player who's willing to get his nose dirty. He's willing to dive in there, make a play on the football, make a play on the ball carrier. He waits for his opportunity to attack, and he attacks the ball carrier, not the blocker. Because, man, he does not 
acknowledge that there's a block there. He will just dive, and I'm either not going to make a play, or you're not even going to touch me because I'm going to dive, and I'm going to go on the ground. It's kind of it's kind of wild. Um, he's a balanced player. Uh, I think he relatively does stay square when he's making when he's making a play. Um, for a guy who's so light, another guy, you know, another note for a guy who's so light at 230, I'd want him to be a little bit faster and more explosive. But I also don't think that he's super slow. Um, no, he, he's not slow, Like, but he's also, to play the way he plays, you got to play fast as hell, and he doesn't yeah. do that either. Solid instincts. He's solid in the chase and tackle department. That's what I have. Yeah, yeah and, and, and coverage, like, he can make some plays. And, yeah. But he's kind of, he, he does play, like, a safety. Yeah. Uh, the two guys that I was referring to at the top that I'm, out of these UDFAs that I'm, like, meh on are um, Ryan Jones... And Troy Brown. Troy Brown. Yeah. Which is okay. I was, when when we see you just judge a guy by like, hey, guy played linebacker for Ole Miss, and you're hoping to see some more out of him. But it's like Deontay Johnson out of Toledo is clearly a better player than Troy Brown. Yeah. Um, so last, the last draft evaluation you're going to hear, well, actually until a couple of months from now when we do, or a month when we do our way too early draft preview. But the last, we're, we're wrapping up the draft season with Washington safety, Alex Cook. Who let him cook? Six foot, 195 pounds. Another guy who didn't test well. Um, and, it, and it does show up on tape. But he is a smart safety with versatile uh, versatile alignment. Uh, played mostly from deep, which you usually, you don't see the deep safeties really. Usually when you get a UDFA, it's like, okay, box guy. Um so his speed and range is lacking, which is going to stop him from being a total playmaker um, in coverage. But he understands safety, right? Like he plays deep safety with good recognition, good wrap combo, uh, combination IQ, knows when to bail or knows when to come up, up for the underneath routes. But just coverage-wise, we'll talk about him as a run defender. It's just the speed is an issue because there will be times where it's like even if he plays it right, they're able to get past him on the post. If he's in some type of off-man situation with a tight end, He's going to get lost in the sauce and and get beat at the stem. And there's just issues. It's again, the, this, this, the athleticism stops him from making plays and coverage where he has recognition for it, but it's just, he just doesn't have the athleticism for it. Yeah. So um, again, the first note that I have on Alex Cook, not a very good athlete at all. Um, I am going to talk about him playing the run because I barely have any notes on him in coverage. Because basically all the times that he stuck out to me was playing the run. Um, I think he's going to be a box safety. Very uh, eager to come play the run. Very eager. Willing to come up and play the run, but doesn't have the best tackling technique. He's a very much, he's he's a drag down tackler. He wraps up, but he hugs and he's going to try and drag you. Like you have a shoulder pad for a reason. Use it. He pounces quick and he diagnoses things well. He keeps things in front of him. Uh, and that's as a safety. I think that's a very important thing. You don't want to be chasing down after things. You want to keep things in front of you and making plays in front of you. And Alex Cook does that. 71 tackles. He's always around the ball. I think he has a special teams mentality. Uh, he attacks, he attacks, he attacks. Um, I have not the best in coverage, and that's where his athletic deficiencies will probably show up, which you talked about it. But he's a super fun player to watch. He flies around the field. Box safety seems to be best where he fits. Uh, now, I don't think he's the same athlete and he's not the same like wow this guy's flying around the field like uh darian thompson darian thompson last trenton year from thompson who trenton darian thompson. thompson was the jerry reese safety there you go um trenton thompson out of san diego state last year but i'm still excited to see alex cook cook in so camp. again i i agree with you he plays the run better like takes on blocks pretty well like he, he can slip them bad tackler though i was gonna it's funny you brought up trenton thompson i was gonna ask you Better player as a UDFA, Trenton Thompson or Alex Cook? I think Trenton Thompson. I agree. I agree. And Trenton uh, Thompson which, had a bad camp. Like, he, he didn't look very good, and he wound up getting cut. Yeah, I mean, he, he at least stuck around on the practice squad for the whole season. He's still on the team on a futures deal. Um, he was actually at rookie camp this past weekend, too. Uh, but, yeah, Trenton Thompson. Now, Trenton Thompson was very old. I think he was, like, 25. But Trenton Thompson, like he could, ha he had some man coverage reps. He came down and and made some big hits too, and and can make some plays in coverage. Where again, Cook understands coverages. He like he plays things very smart, especially deep safety in college is tough, man. It asks a lot out of you, and college offenses throw a ton at you. 
and he was never out of place. And there were signs where he needed to be aggressive. Like if they're running a deep post and and uh, you know a deep uh, you know a deep basic route, he would take over the basic when he needed to. And when it's like, hey, they got a post coming at you, nothing else. He knew to bail and get there, even though there's times where they could get behind him still with the speed issues. But again, it's the athleticism issue. So I think Trenton Thompson, who will be in his second year as a UDFA, is a better player with Alex Cook. But hey, come do your role and play. And, you know, safety is another weak spot on the Giants. Yeah. Right. Like you got one guy in Xavier McKinney. One. Other than that, you got Bobby McCain, Jason Pinnock, Dane Belton. Hopefully we get some growth out of him and then Trenton Thompson. So safety is a posi- another position where. You can play yourself into a role, if you, especially if you do some good stuff on special teams, which you're going to have to do. You know, like even the Giants lose lose a starting safety and Julian Love led them in special team snaps. So yeah, he was awesome at special. There, teams. So there's going to be a hole there. So Alex Cook, come in and find your yeah. role. I'm excited to see you in camp. You know, it's uh, something with all these UDFA's, Bobby. Just because there's names, like let's just use the safety room as an example. Just because there's names there, where there's a good amount of continuity, right? Where there, where you do have Dane Belton, you do have um, Jason Pinnock, um, you know, everybody but McKinney. This coaching staff has shown that it, it doesn't matter how much money you're getting paid. It doesn't matter if you were on the team last year. It doesn't matter if you got 50% of the snaps last year. You know, if you're a guy that's going to outplay somebody, this coaching staff is going to give you an opportunity to do it. They're not going to hold grudges and they're not going to show favoritisms. Now, they're not going to show favoritisms because a lot of the roster last year was Gettleman guys, right? So we'll see how exactly that pays that plays out. But I genuinely do think that if you're just better than the next guy kind of in front of you, um, I think they're going to play you. I mean, they played Pinnock over a fourth-round draft pick in Dane Belton. They did. They played David Sills over Kenny Gallup. Yeah. <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, they're ticketing out that makes buying tickets super, super simple. With over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including sports, concerts, festivals, and more. It's the summer, so you can go to those things now. They always want to make sure that you are getting a good deal. So when you're on the app, look for the green dots, baby. Green, 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 green. Green means good. Red means bad. Every ticket is backed by their buyer uh, guarantee. And SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. That's awesome. That's an awesome awesome thing by SeatGeek. So we've got the hookup. Use code GIANTS for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code GIANTS. Click the link in the description to download the app. Justin, before we end. Do you know uh, what I'm watching right now? No, I don't. Our driver, Anthony Calantoni, driver of the number 84 Talking Giants versus the World Car. Lap 63 at Dover International Speedway. First place. And has led every single lap. Attaboy, Anthony. Did you see that guy who was blaming me for the offensive line issues in the past? Yeah. Uh, and then the, people you, tried to correct him, and he was still like... You're part of the problem. No, he thought I actually worked for him, which is like... And people were, like, correcting him, and he was like, no. And he kept on playing, like, this clip of Nate Solder that I posted from the Broncos game in 2021. Sure. And, he like, it, was, it, it wasn't just wild that he was dumb enough to think that I was the people who brought in all these players and, and there were players brought in by three different regimes by the way too five of the six players he named i've called publicly to be benched like nate solder we have not talked more negatively about a single player in talking giants history than nate solder like just bench this dude now like it is a disgrace to not be benching this guy uh mark Lewinsky, and john feliciano uh, what were the other? eric flowers Eric, Fla- we weren't even covering the Giants under the Eric Flowers stuff. No, it's still, I your, still your fault, though. It was just, ins- it was actually insane. Um, also, Wink Martindale had a, an interview, or Wink Martindale and Mike Kafka had an interview with Steve Serby. This is an interesting note, something to watch for the first OTAs in two weeks from now. Green dot. They asked McK- They asked him, like, is McKinney going to be the green dot guy? And he said, we still haven't made up our mind about that. And he brought up Bobby O'Karake, which will be. I would be in favor of that, right? Because Volcar- the whole argument was like, yeah, the whole argument was like the safety is always on the field with with Wink Martindale. Well, Bobby O'Karake is going to be on the field 100% of the snaps. He's never going to come off the field unless he's injured. And 
I mean, McKinney, let's be like, I, I don't have the most trust in the world for him. I mean, there was two touchdowns the Giants gave up under his watch where there's 10 players on the field and you this see him true. counting and stuff like that, you know? So Bobby O'Carrick, I would, I would love for that. That's what most teams do. Um, and you're, you know, you're closer to the defensive line. And I am, to be honest, I'd, I'd rather McKinney not have to worry about that and let him play free because then McKinney could be a playmaker. Right. Okay. Okay. Like the linebacker, the linebackers doing that stuff anyways, even if they have the green dot or not, they're getting people in place and stuff. I would rather have McKinney not having that on his plate and being able to do more pre-snap just individually with himself. Um, and if you're going to have a young, you know, fresh new safeties in there, unless you have Bobby McCain, like he can focus on like, Hey, helping out the one guy next to him where Okereke can handle that. So I, I'm hoping that Okereke gets the green dot. Is that a, like a confirmed thing that whoever has the green dot and, you know, only 10 bodies on the field and stuff like that, is that like part of their responsibility? I mean, McKinney's the one that was counting the players after. Now, I put that at the end of the day, I put that on the coaching staff more than I do McKinney. Because that was a problem last year. Like they like the Giants gave up multiple touchdowns with 10 guys on the field in the red zone. Yeah, I put that more on the coaching staff than anybody. But it's like if there's one player that it is on, it is McKinney. Like you're supposed to count that stuff in the huddle. Yeah. Right. Now, again, I put I do put that more on the coaching staff, and that's a positional coach thing too. You know, because you're you're the one sending guys in and out for your each each position. But, uh, yeah. So I I would just rather Okereke handle that. So I thought that was that was actually a good interview Steve Serby did. Do you want to go read it? There's actually a lot of good nuggets that Mike Kafka doesn't say shit, but <laughs> Wink Martindale likes to talk. Like you know, he likes to put himself out there, and he even talked about the the interview stuff with the Colts, where they said, "Hey, we're going to draft a quarterback. We we feel we got to go get an offensive guy." Uh, so Wink was really open in those interviews. So I I I I, uh, I go go check it out. Give Steve Serby a click. Um, go check it out. What do we have? Uh, what do we have coming up Friday? Friday we'll have a mail a post draft mailbag. We'll put out a tweet uh, today when you're listening to this on Monday. So get your questions in. Plus, we'll be uh, reacting to the schedule. Oh yeah, schedule comes out. So we'll 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 basically put together our free tailgate game. Uh usually we try and do it towards the end of the end of the season. So we'll put that together. And I know people some people do they do make their plans like, hey, this is the game I'm gonna go to, the Talking Giants tailgate. So we'll have we'll uh we'll we'll figure that out. Um I'm gonna we'll, go to a, an away it's game. It's looking like we're gonna play the Jets on Monday night football. Everyone's saying that. And it looks like we're gonna play on Black Friday too, which is gonna suck. What? Yeah, they're doing a uh, Amazon Prime's doing a Black Friday game this year. That's gonna that's really gonna piss Who, me off. I hope that doesn't happen. It's gonna really piss me off. Black Friday? Um, Why? Because it's, it's the NFL. They like they're. I mean, they're doing the the flex scheduling with Thursday night football. It's insane. It's insane what they're or they're trying to do. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go to Buffalo. It's about a six hour drive from me. Don't you want to go to a game? You have more confidence in winning. No, because I, I kind of want to go to that stadium before they tear it down. I hope it's freaking last week of December. Well, if it's last week of December, I may not go. <laughs> it's part of the experience. Save me, it's part of the experience, okay? Uh, me me sitting in 70 degrees versus 15 degrees, it, it's it's a very different experience. Granted, it's a much worse one if I'm if I'm freezing my ass off. I can't Save believe this is experience. coming from you. You want to go to Buffalo? I pitched last year during on a Giants off day of training camp to go to a Bills training camp practice. Like I don't want to drive F eight hours. Yeah, for a camp a practice, not a, a games. A, a Giants. You could have slept. I was gonna story. drive. You could have slept in the van. I would have. We would have literally drove in the van there. I would have slept in the van. Um, <sighs> you got to have a whole bench, whole bench to yourself. He literally pitted as soon as the caution came out. Um, are you gonna go to the Miami game? I don't know. I don't know. I don't make the decision on the Florida games right away. Um, but there, obviously, I'll, I'll be, there'll be at least one Jersey game in MetLife I'll be up, up at. So we'll we'll figure that out. Um, and I, I think I want to do that to Commanders. I, I, again, I got to keep my undefeated streak going. All right. We, uh, we'll be back on Friday with the mailbag. We appreciate you guys. We will see you then. Thank you for sticking around for this draft season. Until then, let's go big blue.